Okay, ladies, you all sound wonderful, and it sounds like there was a lot of discussion. There's a lot to unpack, but if y'all's table was like our table, the chapters were well covered, so I think we can go home if yours did it like now. There's a lot to cover, but um, before we pray, I was going to tell you that I moved to Texas in 1949 from Chicago to my daddy's dairy farm in East Texas. And I can remember so well that when the cows made it into the barn where the milking went on and the machines were put on the cow, that the machines sucked and then the hired hands and my daddy would go up and pull those machines off of the cow udders. And then they did the most interesting thing. They would stand there with a bucket underneath and they would strip what's called strip milking they would milk the last part of the milk out of the cow that the machines could not get. And I just have to tell you that my years in inductive study, that it's going to be very hard for me to try to get three chapters talked about in the short term because I'm used to stripping and getting as much as we can out of it. So we've got three fabulous chapters to cover. We're going to look at events or the teaching that God gave as we continue this wonderful story of our God and how from creation through sin and the consequences of sin, what it was like for man to walk with a holy God. And so we're going to look at events. We're going to look at names that were given or changed. We're going to look, uh, those names were changed because of covenant. And then we're also gonna look at what I call covenant. It's so exciting. It's like a thread that is woven all the way through scripture. But I'm renaming my thread picture because now I think of it as a ribbon. It's thicker than that. And the more you study and look and learn, it just becomes more dynamic through the scriptures of knowing what covenant is and how it ties everything else in scripture together. So we're going to look at covenant. In fact, I'd like to define covenant for you if you don't have it. Covenant is a solemn binding agreement. It's a contract that cannot be broken. And uh, we saw in chapter 15 that when God cut covenant with Abraham that first Besides the flood, the covenant that God made with Abraham involved blood. So when man made covenant with man, they patterned themselves after the covenant that God made with man, and it involved blood. So it is um, a word that we don't hear very much. It's like it's becoming an antique word. We don't hear people talking about covenant anymore. So. I hope that this stirs us so that we'll have a new appreciation, a deeper appreciation. So we're also going to look at the names of God and what he reveals about himself and his nature. But let's go to our Father and just ask him to please make joy tell what needs to be told. So we can. But Father, we do bow before you, our covenant-making God. We just want to pause as we worship you with gratitude. And we ask you to deepen as we look for what you did so long ago and how you started this covenant relationship and the beauty of word like everlasting 
that what you mean to be everlasting is everlasting. And so, Father, as we're walking our walk, and we realize that Abraham, Abram, was learning to walk with you, that, Lord, you are pleased by faith. And so, we ask, I don't know what's in the hearts and needs and minds, but you do, of every one of us in this room, that when we leave this place, that there will be a faith-building experience even deeper as we look at Abraham's walk with you. And that we walk out of here and where our faith is shaky, that you will fill us to make us recognize that we can trust a covenant-making God and our faith will increase. And we pray this in the name of the one who cut covenant for us, our Lord. Amen. Well, chapter 16 is an interesting chapter. Um, God's faithful to even let us look of just a humanity. He doesn't hide the warts of people. So in these chapters, we're seeing their warts and their Abraham had fears and of course wrong choices were made. But um, in his walk, and, and I try to think of him, here is this man that God called out of idolatry now, we're used to reading in the New Testament and seeing Abraham this and Abraham that. And we get into Hebrews, and he's in the faith chapter. And we see this monumental man with great faith. But because we're going back to the beginning, we're getting to see a man that came out of an idolatrous community, had no clue who God was, but he started walking with a covenant-making God, and God kept revealing himself to him. So Romans 15 tells us these things that are written in the Old Testament are written for our instruction. So we're learning a lot from Abraham. But the chapter begins in chapter 16, verse 1. Sarah, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne no children. That is a phrase, and of course we've studied it, but God wants us to know she had no children. She was barren. The very first time that uh, Sarah is, Sarai is mentioned in Scripture is chapter 11, when, we're, when we see the, um, the lineage of, of Noah's sons, Shem's line. The very first mention of Sarah at 1130 says, Sarah was barren. She had no children. So over and over, God's pointing out this woman had no children, had no child. So um, then the verse goes on to say she had a female Egyptian servant. And so we're going to look at uh, Hagar and the birth of Ishmael. But to tie everything together that had just happened in, ver in verse uh, chapter 16 is that as God came to Abram and was telling him, you're gonna have a descendant. And he got real confused and he thought, well, is Eleazar gonna be the one? And God said, no, Abram, out of your very own body, you're gonna have an offspring. So that was the, the very faith factor that started because he, because he believed in God. It says it was counted to him for uh, righteousness, which is the clearest expression in the Bible of what pleasing God, true salvation is. But may I ask you this question, and I think we all know our own answer. Is not waiting the hardest thing for us to do? 
It is. We want answers now. We want results now. We've got microwaves. We can get next day order, and right there at our doorstep, we get everything fast as we can. And so um, there are consequences of not waiting on God. But when, when uh, we know that when he believed, God counted it to him as righteousness. So uh, when we get into chapter 16, we see that Abram is wa wavering. He had fears. He's listened to the promise of God, yet he's staggering to embrace them. And really, he's getting older. He's been in the land for 10 years by now. And nothing's changed. Ten years, and Sarah still does not, Sarah does not have a child. So we note that Sarah came and said these words to Abram in verse 2. Behold, now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. She does not realize how profound that statement is, how right she was, because God had prevented her from having children because of his timetable. So um, she did have an understanding, and I know we ladies have all had disappointments or joys where it is God who opens and closes our wombs. So she tells Abram her plan. And so what? when she realizes she's not gonna have a child, I wish I could do a skit, but we don't have time, but I just think she probably came to him and said, did he say that you're gonna have it out of your own body? That's the problem, I've got a great idea. Why don't you take my, my slave, which let's look at Hagar, coming from Egypt was the first mistake that this situation because they had left Israel to, or the promised land to go, you remember last week, into Egypt because of the famine. So out of that famine, a mistake made that is making a, a mistake that goes on today. So uh, Hagar just was to be his wife. And uh, the lesson for us to take in, because this was really not God's plan, should we say, and it was not something that was frowned upon because the law had not been given yet. So it was an accepted part of society. But the question we have to ask ourselves, if something is acceptable, does that mean that it's right? Not so. So the servants in biblical times were property and Sarah would own the child that would be born by Hagar. So uh, Sarah comes up with this plan and she is God's little helper coming up with her own little plan. And the thought that came to me as I was preparing this because of my time being with, and I'm a woman, do not we at times play junior Holy Spirit <laughs> and come up with our own plans for our husbands, especially if we have unbelieving husbands and uh, we actually leave God's, God's ways out or God's plan and we get our ways way up there. So uh, it kind of hurt my feelings when she said that she gave Hagar 
Hagar, Abram, her husband, as a wife. That means there was a bedroom scene, and that's how Hagar had the baby. So it would be much better if Abram would have said something like, no, we're not going to do that. God said that we would have a child. So we want to follow what God says, and we want to trust and wait on the Lord. So um, as women, when we want to get in there and be God's little helper, let's make sure because he did listen to his wife, and there's times that husbands should listen to their wives, but we know what happened to Adam, and now we're knowing what happened to Abram. So we've got to be sure if we're coming forth before our husband with our ideas that we can present God's ways, God's idea. So uh, there's a key passage in the New Testament in Hebrew, the 11, 12, that tells us God waited until their physical abilities were as good as dead. He wanted to make sure that when his promises happened that they would know where this baby came from that she would be impregnated with. So I think we as women and looking around at, at you know, our friends, we can understand impatience. But God had a promise and nothing was going to set his promises aside. So Sarah then, Hagar conceives, and, and here's what happened. The eyes communicate a whole lot. It's not just what you see, but she was a little arrogant. I mean, after all, Abraham and I, it's your fault. You don't have a child, but I have a child by Abraham. And she was taunting her mistress. And so uh, there was pressure from this, this harsh treatment. And so guess what? She got paid back by her mistress. And um, I think it's sort of, I don't know about you, but the human warty side that what uh, Sarah did, she went, well, put the blame on her husband. Well, I, I, I didn't mean for it to happen exactly this way. I, I, I just, look how she's treating me. And so here's Abram. Do what you want to do. Easy going guy. Go ahead. You take care of it. So here's Sarah with vindictiveness, Abram with easygoingness, and so what does Hagar do? She flees. So let's let's look at verse seven, and uh, so there's she's fled to the wilderness, and the angel of the Lord, I love this word, found her by the spring of water in the wilderness. And if you remember, God came to Abram, uh, came to Adam and Eve in the garden after sin. And so this is what is called a theophany. Someone at our table called it a Christophany. Uh, so in my studies, it's called a theophany, which just simply means that it is Christ in his appearance before his incarnation, before his birth. And there are uh, four times in this section that he has mentioned the angel of the Lord. When we read that, and you can learn 
that it is a theophany if you just keep reading the context of that section or hear what is said. So there are many places laced throughout the uh, New Testament that says no man has seen God at any time. So God the Father has sent the Son and he is, as Jesus says, once you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And there's a place in uh, Exodus that uh, <clears throat> Moses has been told by God that uh, he wants him to leave Mount Sinai and go on the journey through the wilderness. And Moses said, but if you do not go with us, we don't want to leave without you. And God says, but no man can see my face. But I'll tell you what, if you get in the rock, the cleft of the rock, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll cover it. And I can't let you see me face to face, but I'll just walk before you and you can see my back and you'll see a little bit of my glory, but you can't see me face to face. So that's why there are theophanies and Christ brings the, um, the Godhead where they can see him. Okay, so um, there's other appearances uh, in scriptures, but this is a theophany. It's not to Noah, it's not to Abraham, it's not to Sarai, it's to Hagar. Hagar is an Egyptian servant. She is a victim. She is an abused woman. She's no one special. She's not a patriarch that we go back in the scriptures to study. And she's not of great importance, but she's someone who has a broken life. She felt worthless, and she's the bottom rung on a ladder. So it's so beautiful when we realize that the angel of the Lord found her, and as verse 7 says, came to her. So he, is he not, is he not the one who leaves the 99 and goes out and finds the one? That's our Lord. So he goes to the wilderness to find the ones who are lost. And it's he who speaks to her. And he asks her two questions. Where are you going? Where have you been? In other words, what are you doing with your life? Well, she was headed back to Egypt, which Egypt in scripture is always a picture of the world. But that wasn't going to be God's plan for her. So God is tender enough to give her instruction, even though she's the most downcast, broken uh, one. And he tells her his plans. Return to your mistress and submit to her because you're going to have a son whom you'll name Ishmael because God, that name, name means God hears, because God has been very, oh, he has listened to your affliction. So Ishmael, it means God hears. Now you listed out some of, of what Ishmael would be like, and he's not an easy one. He was called a wild donkey. He wasn't able to get along with it, uh, it he had his hand against every, everyone. He lived in defiance. That's just all of his brothers even. 
That's his character. And those consequences of this young man that has the name God hears, he, God had plans for him. And when you understand that he was the father of the Arab race that we see in the news all the time today, that God has plans. And if you stay in and keep studying, you'll see what God's plans are for the descendants of Ishmael. Um, so he is the father of, of the Arab people. So, and he's in the news through his descendants today. So we love looking at the names of God. So Hagar is the one who called what her experience was there out in the wilderness at the lake. And she, she called the one who spoke to her at the slowest point of her life, El Roy, the God who sees. He looks after me. And so when we feel like Nobody else knows what's going on. That's why these names are so beautiful to be able to understand. We can call on our El Roy. You look, you know what I'm going through. And you see, but it's not just looking at you. It's looking in you and knowing what's going on and being able to minister to that need to care for. So God never changes. He sees abused women. He sees unborn child, that's our Elroy. And many, many feel so broken, but God says this, a broken and contrite heart, I cannot refuse. I cannot despise that. So there at the well, uh, Hagar no longer was a polytheist. She believed in the one that she met there. So she returns to her master and she tells him that she's going to, uh, and she bears Ishmael. And uh, then we just transfer on, going on to chapter 17. I hope I can make this. And it's a beautiful, beautiful chapter because it's got that, that ribbon of covenant, learning more things as we continue this chapter. As we leave chapter 16, Abram is 86 years old. So 13 years have, have, is the intersection between chapter 16 and chapter 17. 30 years have passed because now Abram is 19 years old and Ishmael is six, 13 years old. Total time that Abram's been in the land is 24 years since God made the promise about the land and his descendants and the one that would come through and that would bless the nations. But even in the 24 years since he came in the land, there's other gaps, like when he went to Egypt, but this 13-year gap is when God was silent. And then we see in verse 1, that Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, I'm El Shaddai, walk before me and be holy, be blameless. And so another part of God Almighty revealing himself through his name, he, I just love this part. I have laid in bed and go, God, you just went to him and you said, I'm El Shaddai. So that name is one of my favorite names. Um, I can remember that uh, back in the 80s, I believe, Amy Grant 
had that song, El Shaddai. Did we all sing it as we studied? Oh, I wish we could sing it together, but you would not want me to lead. But anyway, um, El Shaddai is almighty. It is all powerful. In other words, God is saying, I'm the sufficient one. I'm the one that has all power. But there's a part of this name that um, is kind of hard for people to interpret because the Al Shad, Shad means breast. And so if you'll allow me this word picture of what they've tried to put together, the chest of a man and drawing strength and comfort on the chest of a father is one aspect of El Shaddai. But there's another that he pours out blessings like a mother that nourishes her baby. And those of us that have breastfed our babies know that there are times that milk comes and there's such a gush that the baby can't take it all in. And that's God's way. There's so many blessings he could bless us with or El Shaddai, but we couldn't take it all in at the same time. So he is all sufficient. He pours out his blessing, his strength. And so this is one of my favorite uh, names. I hope it's yours, but I love that name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai. That name, whatever. Help me here. Um, that, say, what is it? Age to age, you're still the same. So we can call, Abram called, met him, we can call on the self-sufficient one that provides everything. So he comes to him and he restates, he says, Abram, my covenant is with you. And he has repeated that, he has repeated that, and it's an everlasting covenant. So we see, after 13 years of silence, Abram Check, 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 check. Check, check, check. Are y'all hearing? All right. I think I have a few more minutes because we had to take time out for this. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I think when we see that after 13 years, El Shaddai came and restated, my covenant is with you, Abram. It is an everlasting covenant. And I'm sure you paid attention to what happened to Abram. He fell on his face before El Shaddai to be reminded this covenant-making God has an everlasting covenant. There was such reverence there. So he wasn't talking. He was thinking, he's not scolding me about Hagar, although I think when he said, walk before me and be blameless, he was saying, leave that Hagar stuff alone. Walk before me. I'm the one who's providing for you. So just walk, go forward. Um, there are other names in this chapter 17 that uh, we see God, uh, two names that God gives. He's already named Ishmael. And now he's going to change Abram's name to Abraham, which means he's going to be a father of a multitude of nations. And he still has no children. 
and uh, even and he tells um, tells them again about the everlasting covenant. All the land is going to be theirs, the land of Canaan, and you're going to have many nations come out of you and kings. And so, um, when we see that he says the land is yours, and this covenant I'm making with you, I'm going to put a little parenthesis in here. When God says this, I don't see any, theolo- any replacement theology that is very rampant in the world today. And that is that God's through with Israel and the church is replacing Israel. When God says everlasting, he means everlasting. My covenants with Abram and his descendants. Now we're Gentiles. We were the ones who were grafted in. We're part of a believing body, but God never sets Israel apart. And this is so important for us to cling on to as we're studying these chapters. So God states uh, 12 times the things he's going to do. But then he says in this chapter, but as for you, but as for you, Abraham, you are... My covenant is with every male, but as for you, you're to keep my covenant by doing the sign of covenant, and that is, let's say it together, ladies, circumcision. I wish I had my my leader at the table. She's a math teacher, and what's the word that you're having to think of this week? Circum. It's a math term, and she says every time that she has to say it because she's studying this, she has to take it. So um, we know that circumcision was a sign. It did not provide righteousness out of the covenant of faith, but um, believing that we saw in, verse, in chapter 15 is what made the, the, uh, the belief system of faith. So, every, I, I don't know that this is true, but I think that that circumcision placed where it was was kind of a reminder that the seed for the offspring of God's nation was going to come from that area. So, every time after they were circumcised, that sign was there as a reminder of the covenant that God had. So... I wanted you to know that um, when Germany did its number on the Jewish race during World War II and would gather up the Jews, they didn't know who all the Jews were, and they'd head the Jews off to the death camps in the cars. One of the ways that they were able to gather the Jews was say, pull down your pants. And the circumcision was a dead giveaway. So, uh, in their flesh, in their flesh would be an everlasting covenant. There was one more name change in this chapter, and his wife, um, uh, Sarai, which meant princess over a family that she would rule over, she was Sarah which means she was going to be a princess of many nations and that uh, uh, they would both bring forth the kings from their child. So also in this chapter, we've seen the name change for Abram and now Sarai. And now 
they are telling about the next child that's going to be born, which is Isaac. And that means laughter. Now, let's look at why this name laughter came along. So when God was telling Abram that he would have a child and that his name was going to be Isaac, <laughs> we see Abram falling down on his face again, just laughing. A man, 99 years old, having a baby, it was, it was a joyous, overzealous, this is really going to happen. And I think that he would, we would all laugh if we were told this too. But um, then when we see Sarah, Sarah, because her name's been changed, and that's in the next chapter, and we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, but um, she heard them talking, and, and if you're real careful and look at that, it says she laughed to herself. Have you ever had disbelief, and you kind of go, <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> Well, that's kind of the laughter she had versus uh, Abraham falling down and out of sheer joy. So can you not see after this encounter with El Shaddai, because that was just between Abra Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham, running back to the camp and saying, Sarah, you won't believe it, but I've just had a great conversation with God, who told me we're going to have a baby. His name is to be Ishmael. And oh, by the way, your name's changed too. So a lot of information came back after that visit. But then God just left after he was through with talking to Abram, and he left. So in verse chapter 16, I mean, uh, what chapter? 18, a lot, not very much time has... Uh, passed away. Oh, I needed to talk to y'all just a little bit about circumcision. Okay. Five minutes? Five minutes. Okay. It was brought up at my table. Why did he say children eighth, circumcised eighth day or older? Did you know that the best day for blood clotting a baby is on the eighth day. Do you not think Creator God knew what he was saying when he said, circumcise those babies eight days and older? So um, that in the hospitals, they have to give them vitamin K shot and another shot. So just think of that. There was immediate obedience. When Abram, Abraham got the word that very day, he circumcised all the males including himself. There were no pain killers. Ouch. So, um, that's for men. But I was thinking, Lord, there's a lesson in this for us. So ladies, a life lesson is to ask ourselves, what would God, El Shaddai, have us cut out of our lives, out of our fleshy ways. Would it be gossip? What else could I think of? Would it be spending too much money on the credit card when husband's working so hard or money's not going very far instead of being diligent? What do we need to cut out of our flesh? Like Abram had for the whole men.
So, as we wrap this up and we go into uh, the last chapter that we studied, what a privilege Abram had that the Lord appeared at, to him at the Oaks of Mamre. And, he's, and he, here's Abram sitting at the door and another theophany, the Lord before his incarnation and two other angels. And can't you see, Abram just kind of, I want to tell y'all, Middle East hospitality is, there's second to none. It is wonderful. So there's Abram running around, Abraham now, running around and say, Sarah, need that bread. Get some cakes made. And he goes and he gets the lamb and he takes it to his men. He says, barbecue this. And then he takes the men, the, the food, and he sits there or stands there while they eat. But I see, I do see, because I know myself, not a glass on the wall to hear, but there's Sarah leaning out the tent to hear the conversation, and that's when she heard, you're going to have a baby boy within the next year when I come back, and that little baby boy is going to be the one that my covenant is with. So uh, she laughed. Jesus did not let her get by with it. Why did Sarah laugh? So we can't get by with trying to lie to our Lord. He knows everything. So in his tenderness, he didn't really scold her. He just confronted her. He said, yes, you did lie. And so God's timing is going to come forth, and everybody's going to know that it was God and God alone that had this precious baby that is the covenant child. So let's go to the Lord, and uh, I, I, I hope I didn't leave anything important out, but <clears throat> love it. I will have one verse for you, 11, Hebrews 11, 11 is the call road of faith. It says, now Sarah laughed then, but by, to be in the hall of fame, it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even though she was past the age, since she considered him faithful to what he had promised. So, Father, as we close, we leave this place having learned so much in a very crammed time. But as we go line upon line, I ask that we leave, Father, that our faith would be increased. We would deepen our understanding again of your plan, your timing in our lives, just like you had it in Abram and Sarah's life. So Father, we walk away. I ask that our faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So thank you for these women who hunger and thirst to know your word. In Jesus' name, amen.